Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. It's May 22nd, 2019, otherwise known as New Comic Book Day, and welcome to the Talking Comics Podcast. You're listening to episode number 391. I am your host, Steve Say. Joining me this week are Mr. Bob Ryer. Well, you Avengers fans, ear! Okay, I'll have you explain that in just a moment. And Sarah is also here. I'm drinking coffee at midnight. What, what, do you have any, is it black, is it, what is it? It is black as the depths of my soul. Oh, you went there. <laughs> All right, Bob, what is, would you say Eorp? Eorp. Eorp, what is Eorp? Uh, the Avengers television show, which was the Avengers before the Avengers, they did a comic book-based episode called The Winged Avenger, and he looks sort of like Hawkman, he can climb up walls, and his big catchphrase was Eorp. I, oh, I see where you're going with this. Clever. Yes. At the end of the episode, which was made in 1967, um, it's the artist who's involved in, in shenanigans, and Mrs. Peel and the Winged Avenger are standing on the ceiling of a room because they've got special boots that can hang from the ceiling. And Steve comes running in with all the various pages and panels from the book in, in one and a half up sizes. And he begins smashing the winged Avenger in the head with them. And each of them say pow and bam and biff, just like the Batman television show, which is on at the time. And they basically play the Batman music while they're doing it. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Pow! Baby shark. No, we're not going to baby shark yet. <laughs> Hold your horses. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, okay, so obviously you figured out by now that Joey and Jessica are out on assignment this week and have left myself, uh, Bob and Sarah to uh, to entertain <laughs> each other and hopefully and it, you for the next hour and change. As you can see, it's already gone horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's all going to be in there because I never edit a damn thing, but I might tonight. We'll find out. <laughs> Um, I love you, Joey. Thank you for all of your efforts to make this show sound so good every week. We love you. <laughs> um, so, hey, Joey. Hey. Uh, so, yeah, we have a couple of things to hit on this week's show. We have a bunch of comics. Uh, we have some sad news, unfortunately, that uh, we'll hit up in just a moment. We also have a few listener questions and a little bit of that old bat news for you. Yes, we will be giving our thoughts and impressions on the possibility of Robert Pattinson playing Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. The Batman, for Matt Reeves' is The Batman. Um, so that'll be fun, I bet. <laughs> I'll save my thoughts till later. 
I have very positive thoughts about the whole thing. So I that will be my role uh, in this. Okay, so there's no uh, there's no easy way to segue into this. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna drop this on you. Um, you might have heard by now. It was uh, a lot of people were showing uh, giving their condolences out on Twitter and um, saying some really nice things. Colorist Justin Ponzer has passed away from cancer. Uh, Justin, if you don't know who he is, he has been credited on, according to Comic Vine, 1,164 issues of Your Friend, the comic book. And he's done tons of characters. He's colored tons of characters. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, uh, Hickman's Secret Warriors, Fantastic Four, Guardians of the Galaxy, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, the Ultimates, Avengers, I can go on and on. Uh, just an absolutely incredible talent. And uh, unfortunately, Justin had been battling cancer for quite a while now. And uh, it sounds as if things had taken a turn and he's been taken from us. And it sucks. So, uh, Bob, did you want to say anything about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh... When you look at the breadth of his career over, over the last 10, 12 years or so, it is tons of the Ultimate Universe really set the stage. A lot of things over there. Did a lot of work with Jonathan Hickman and some of those Avengers and New Avengers in the midst of those various events. It was his colors that really set the stage for those moments in, in Wakanda, where in, in, in the midst of all the darkness and the, the various battles... There was real depth. It was nearly 3D. Really did uh, incredible work. So it's a, it's a great loss to to fans and family, obviously. Indeed. Uh, Sarah, any thoughts or feelings? I think it's incredibly upsetting when anybody passes away um, at a young age and the fact that he was um, posting out images from his beds in hospital showing that he was still working just shows the commitment that he had to comics. Mm. Um, and I think it's just a great loss. Absolutely. Alrighty. Um, so anyway, we send our love to Justin's friends and family and to all the fans of his work. And, uh, we wish you safe passage. Indeed. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some comics, Bob. Okay. I am not going to set a timer this week because I don't feel like it. So, yay! Yeah. Joey's not here. Chaos reigns. Ah, starting it off real good. Uh, (laughs) No, it's fine. We don't. We don't have a bunch of books this uh, this week. It doesn't look like, but you never know. You never know. All right, Bob. uh, I am not going to put any minutes on the clock for you. Go. Just as last week, I'm leading off with Betty Page as issue number five by David Avalon is on the stands. The art this time around is by Jordan Michael Johnson with colors by Valentina Pluto, letters by Taylor Esposito. Well, after the shenanigans of the previous arc, a girl needs a vacation. And what better place to relax than Loch Ness, right? <laughs> as it turns out, some Russian agents have tracked Betty and her pal Lisa to Scotland hoping to swipe the powerful alien artifact known as the Tunguska Star that Ms. Page was gifted by the friendly E.T. from her adventure with Queen Elizabeth II. Spoilers coming, sorry. 
Betty is saved from certain death by Nessie, who tells Yay. her, it, it, it's complicated, that Betty is the world's only hope against the coming of the great old ones of H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> she fought them a few issues back. This story will continue as the Crisis on Infinite Bettys unfolds in the soon-to-be-out miniseries Betty Page Unbound. So watch for that. It'll be out at the end of the month. Since I'm talking about chatty underwater beasties, Aquaman 48 by Kelly Sue DeConnick, art by Victor Bogdanovich, inks by Jonathan Glapion and Daniel Enriquez, colors by Sonny Go. Well, that introduces us to another amazing new bit of mythology, Mother Shark. Now you can say. Mother Shark. Who engages Arthur with some of the particulars of his life before his time on the island of the old gods? As you'd expect, it's beautifully and epically lyrical, serving as a perfect springboard point uh, with a wonderful cliffhanger for Aquaman's reintroduction into the larger DC universe. In an interview I just read, Ms. DeConnick spoke about wanting to use her opening arc to highlight some essential elements of the comic book Aquaman for new readers diving in, sorry, after seeing the film <laughs> and then moving back out into a larger story. And I think that 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 gambit has, has worked marvelously as i've said i've been an inconsistent reader on this series across many decades this is the first time i felt truly engaged in arthur's situation so i am in jumping off some great news from last week i dove into the archives and re-re-re-read the first eight issues of the original power pack from 1984 by writer louise simonson and artist june brigman uh figuring out with alex and julie power being part of jeremy whitley's future foundation why not go back to their very beginnings? Alex, Julie, Jack, and Katie Power are just regular kids with mostly regular parents, at least until a Canellian spacecraft crashes into their lives, bringing new friends in <sighs> Alefire, Call Me Whitey, White Mane, and his smart ship Friday, as well as the vicious lizard people, the Snarks. And the first thing those baddies do is kidnap the Power Kids' parents in search of their dad's brand new revolutionary energy formula. In order, in order to rectify this situation, Whitey passes his abilities along so Julie can now fly with the whole rainbow trail thing going on. Katie can shoot power balls from her hands that she energizes from stuff around her. Alex can cancel out gravity and fly. And, and Jack is someone who can control his own destiny as the mass master. They're kids. They come up with crappy names. What can I tell you? <laughs> Back on Earth, after that first five-issue arc, they run into Spider-Man and Cloak and & Dagger. And in some serendipitous foreshadowing, Dragon Man, who's part of the Future Foundation. Oh, no! Yes, yeah, so he wasn't talking yet, but he is, he is a lot of fun. Across 62 charming issues, Power Pack was one of the most fun books in the 80s. In some ways, it reads a lot the way Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl do today, as the Power Siblings did act like real kids, even as they, they faced off against all sorts of baddies and tackled some deeper issues too, like child abductions, drug abuse, a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, Louis Simonson did most of the first 42 issues. June Brigman did the first 18 on the art, followed by John Bogdanov. They did that special last year, as you remember, that one shot with Julie. Mm -hmm. And so for those, they're just starting to reprint these again. They've been at, in various assortments and trades over the years but they're just starting to go back through these if you get the chance they're on, i'm sure they're on marvel limit at this point 
you might want to drop back in and visit the power kids. Look at that. I bet you that was under five minutes. I bet you so too. No, it was. All right. Let's get into I really want to talk about Aquaman. Okay. So I will try I will I will keep this I will keep this spoiler free. It's okay. You you don't you don't have to pound no, it honestly, to me because like, I have what I want to say about it isn't really spoiler material. I will say first of all, you all know how much I love this book. This yes. is really awesome to be starting a new arc, going in a different direction, returning to the depths, all of that stuff. But there is a section in this book that is so well mapped out, so flawless and so gorgeous. I love the art uh, in mm -hmm. this, by the way. And uh, so you get Aquaman's origin story, like the the gods are now cluing him in as to who he is and where he needs to be and where he needs to go to find his people. And they sum up Aquaman's whole deal. Like they give right. you all the cliffs notes on one like two page spread, gorgeous right. two page spread. 75 years of Aquaman right. in a couple of pages. <laughs> and like... By all counts, a, a minimal amount of dialogue. Like, it's totally just these bullet point things. And it's so well-crafted and so beautifully done. And it's done. You get it done in two pages. Boom. Move on. And then it turns to this, like, rainy-ass, dark, stark-as-hell, doom clouds on the horizon. Like, Aquaman bathed in shadow. And him... You know, like the sea is calling to him and he's going underneath and the water's coming up to just above his nose and his eyes are look like they got like black mascara on or whatever eyeliner. And it's amazing. And he sinks down to the bottom of the ocean and there's this crazy, almost like horror movie sequence of him floating down to the bottom with nothing but bubbles by the end of it into this just godly maw of teeth. Of two, pa two pages of shark mouth. Oh right? my god! And it, it's <laughs> yeah. it's just incredible. I, it, I'll I'll go. I am old as time. I stand watch over all that is shed as you pass from this world to the next. I am Mother Shark, and I have been waiting for you. Oh. Hell yeah! It's and I so... am not reading that before, but <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> no, so amazing. The, the, yeah. Like I said, the art is incredible. It's just it's frightening. It's genuinely frightening. And this book goes to some really crazy places. The mother shark character is so enigmatic and gorgeous. And it's so cleverly done that you really can't get a sense of its size and scale. Like you see parts of it, but it, it's deceptive in how big it is. And mm -hmm. I love that. I, I love how just monstrous this thing could be because they only show you portions of it. But anyway, like, we get caught up on pretty much everything that Aquaman has missed in this one issue. And by the end, there's this big reveal and suddenly like it's go time. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. yeah. And there's this, like, there's this crazy, what looks like an homage to Jaws on this one page. And you see uh, Arthur's memories all in the bubbles that are at the bottom of the ocean. And it is just a flawless issue I love it. Kelly Sue DeConnick is doing such amazing things. Her entire team uh, is doing such incredible things with this book. I, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. I'm with you. I needed to get that out of my system. I read this last <laughs> night. It was just like, hot damn! <laughs> like, this, is a, <laughs> this book has been so good from the start. 
And I always get a just a little bit hesitant when we move on to something else because like I'm worried that the art's going to change to something that I don't particularly care for in comparison to what we've had, especially when we talk about consistency of artists on books that the first several issues had consistent imagery and like it's kind of like a roll of the dice because I don't look at the credits before these books come out. I'm just kind of surprised the day that it happens. Uh, but you always pray for good things. And that is exactly what we got with this issue. And I'm I'm all about it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Robson Roca's art on the first few issues was stunning. Mm-hmm. No question. But but Bognov over here is a little there's a little more air in it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think because of what we're doing with the various memories, it might actually play better. Yes. For that. But his that said, the darkness as, as as Arthur floats downward. Think of the scene if you've seen it. Get out. Where yeah. they go to the hit where he goes to the hidden place. It's like that. Only there's a shark the size of Pittsburgh at the bottom. <laughs> uh, really phenomenal color work as well. Yeah, yeah, Sunny Go. Yeah, yes. Sunny Go. Just just absolutely amazing things like that. Mother Shark would not look as cool as she does without this particular shading and and just making her look so menacing but almost friendly at the same time yep. she's got a very big oh. smile <laughs> well uh, uh, well what, what if, big teeth you have exactly mom mama shark as do, do, kelly do, sue do. is often known online right yeah is she she's really? mama shark. oh yes yeah, she yes yeah, she is oh, yeah, oh that's she's great she's the mama shark oh <laughs> i did not know that that's amazing yeah, if you get the um, the bitches get shit done texts, which obviously I can't get because I'm in the wrong country, <laughs> but I can read them through Tumblr. Um, she quite often talks, she she calls um, everyone who reads it her little sharks. So we all call her mama shark. Um, and wow. yeah, if you have never experienced bitches get shit done, um, <laughs> either subscribe to the text if you're in America or find the Tumblr because the advice that she gives out is so good. That sounds like um, the best podcast name ever. Bitches get it, shit done. <laughs> um, it's 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 the most Kelly Sue thing imaginable. It's like just sort of life advice, but in a very very Kelly Sue kind of a way. Mm. Um, let me see if I can. No, obviously I'm not going to be able to find it because. All right. While you're looking for that, I just want to make one more observation, uh, and it's more about 2019. Than, than Aquaman specifically. But I would just like to note, because this podcast is an archive for all things, that 2019 gave us both Jeff the Land Shark and Mother Shark mm-hmm. in the same year. <laughs> so 2019 is already better than all the other years because of that. <laughs> and and also, though, I, I, I'll send you the link along. I discovered something online called Shark Pups. Shark. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like little as, as Bron, Bronwyn has it, yes. They're about to come out for sale. They're little shark pups with legs and big smiley faces. Oh, we should. Oh, man, I'm going to have fun choosing the image for uh, this week's podcast. <laughs> Smiling shark pups. It's to, the title is totally going to be like mother, mother shark do 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 or something. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh. And put up the video of Celine Dion singing with James Corden. Trust me. 
I will check it out. Yes. Okay, so some examples of the inspirational messages that Kelly Sue put out. This they go back as far as 2014. Um, tell you what, let's just get through today without murdering anyone, and we'll call that one a success. Mm-hmm. You have your challenge. <laughs> yeah. I just um, you don't get to do today over again. There is no reset button in real life. Don't be perfect. Just move forward. Game face on. Mm. And then she sometimes sends one out to say, are you working? I'm nagging you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. okay. Oh, my God. You know um, what we need? We need a Kelly Sue DeConnick, bitches get shit done, like, desk calendar. You, like, you rip it off, and every day this new inspirational quote. Yes. Yes. I think everybody in the world needs to be aware of bitches get shit done because it's outstanding and amazing and inspirational and does actually make me achieve stuff with my life. Would you like to talk about some comic books? Me? Yeah, you. Okie kokies. What? Okie kokies. <laughs> wow, you are tired. <laughs> okay, so before I actually start talking about my comic books, I'd like to point out that since I got back from holiday, I've been doing, um, I've been working with a coach at my gym doing what he beautifully described as an aggressive fat loss challenge so aggressive, um, no less. aggressive yeah so essentially i'm eating a very very restricted amount of calories and i'm working out at least once a day every day because apparently i'm insane um so if i sound a little bit more mental than normal it's because i've been awake since five o'clock this morning i did a full upper body workout I also did um, a five kilometer walk and it's now 20 to one in the morning and I'm still drinking coffee. So I just needed to preface everything that I say with that. Okay. So going so, away from calories and back to comics, um, yeah. a couple of, a couple of free comic book days ago, I can't remember who it was actual free comic book day or the Halloween one, but I picked up the first issue of baby teeth by Donny Cates, yeah. Gary Brown, Mark Englert and Taylor Esposito published by Aftershock. And I remember reading that first issue and thinking, do you know, I've got to pick the rest of this up. It's a really interesting take on the classic Antichrist story. And then I promptly forgot all about it. Um, Fast forward to free comic book day 2019. And I was standing in Android's amazing comics, looking at all of their shelves. And what should I see? But volumes one and two um, respectively titled born and raised. Um, So I grabbed them with both hands and proceeded to read them at work on my lunch breaks last week, massively creeping out my colleagues in the process. Because if you have seen the front cover of volume one of Baby Teeth, it is just a giant baby's face with black eyes and blood dripping from its mouth. Mm -hmm. So there's a thing that happened Um, from the blurb on the back of the book. Sadie Ritter is 16 years old, nine months pregnant and scared out of her sweet little nerdy mind. Having a baby that young is difficult, but with the support of her loving family behind her, everything should be fine. However, her baby Clark just might be the Antichrist and he's hell bent on breaking open the barriers between the earthly and demonic planes and unleashing eternal suffering to all of mankind. Other than that, though, Everything should be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, we've all had days where we want to unleash eternal suffering on all mankind, haven't we? Yes. Come on. Yeah. Any- Today. Haven't we? Today, yes. Um, but I want to start with the art. It is frankly bonkers, but in the best possible way. 
the panels where the baby is crying with these ear-splitting earthquake causing mm-hmm. cries some the of the panels waves. and some of the entire pages go red um and you can just imagine that that's what is happening to everyone around you just you can't see anything the noise is so terrifying um and when they present the horrors of the pit actually they kind of look cute um and on a sidebar if anyone knows where i can get a demonic raccoon thing um hit me up (laughs) on social media i want one they're adorable uh anyway the harsh lines that Brown uses, especially on his faces, they're really outstanding at conveying emotion. Um, and I totally fell in love with Sadie just from the way that she just sits there just with like little tears running down her face. as She's recording these little video diaries for Clark. Um, I read God County, God Country by Johnny mm-hmm. Cates last year. Um, thank you for that one, Steve. Loved it. Ruined me. Um so I was expecting something good from this, but I was expecting Batcrap crazy and it did not let me down. The story goes to some very, very weird places. We're talking assassins, religious cults, other dimensions kind of weird. But I totally bought into it because when you're actually reading Baby Teeth, it all makes complete sense in the terms of the story. Um, my only disappointment is that I didn't realise there was more of it. I realise that's a terrible thing to be saying. I'm very disappointed there's more of this book. Um, <laughs> but I then started doing some research online and I started finding stories saying, oh, issues 15 and 16 are delayed. And then I actually found out that volume three is due to be released in June. So um, I shouldn't really complain too much because I'm going to get some more of the story in like two weeks time. Um totally recommending baby teeth it is creepy it is weird but creepy and weird is good um a totally different tone and a totally different type of book is my other book this week which is aquacorn cove by katie o'neill um the lovely lovely jessica brought this to the table as a possible contender for the best original graphic novel in the 2018 best of awards show um and I really wish I'd read it back then instead of waiting until about three weeks ago and buying it on holiday because it is a beautifully realised story about the effect that humans have on the world around us. Um, Anyone who doesn't know, I do actually work in sort of recycling and sustainability, so that is something that I am quite interested in. Um, But as per the blurb on the back of the book... um, When Lana and her father return to their seaside hometown to help clear the debris of a big storm, Lana remembers how much she's missed the ocean and the strong, reassuring presence of her aunt. As Lana explores the familiar beach, she discovers something incredible, a colony of aquacorns, small, magical seahorse-like creatures that live in the coral reef. Lana rescues an injured aquacorn and cares for it with the help of her aunt, who may know more about these strange creatures than she's willing to admit. When a second storm threatens to reach the town, choices made many years ago about how to coexist with the sea start to rise to the surface. Lana realises she will need to find the strength to stand on her own, even when it means standing up to the people who she has always relied on to protect her. Um, Now, there might actually be more words in that blurb than there are in the whole of the book, because lots and lots and lots of this story is told through the imagery rather than through the words um but the whole book is deeply infused with magical realism it's kind of a cautionary tale for our time 
Um, the artwork is absolutely beautiful. It's sort of all pastels and coral coloured. And it tells the story of this small village that's torn between maintaining its traditional way of life with the difficulty of doing so in the modern world. But the book also explores themes of love and of loss and of living by other people's rules. Um, I really do wish a, that I'd read this sooner and B, that I had had a vote on last year's show because I would have championed this gorgeous all ages work from Oni Press. Um, it's much needed in this day and age. I can't recommend it enough. There is so much that happens in this book. There are um, unexpected relationships. There is dealing with grief. There is how adults and children process things differently. It seems a very, very simple book, but the more times that I go through the pages, which you can easily do five or six times because it is beautiful, the more times I go through it, the more I find in the story. Um, if you haven't read Acricorn Cove, if you are a grown adult, if you are a little person, please go out and read it because it's really, really beautiful. And um, I'd like a pet seahorse now as well as a demonic <laughs> raccoon thingy. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> nicely played if you get your pets then i get mother shark somehow that's absolutely fine that's up you can you can have mother shark would like shark a demonic raccoon. uh i'm really glad to hear that both you read and enjoyed baby teeth baby teeth is very good it is very good it's very weird and it's really creepy and it's the kind of book that when people walk past the table where i sit and have my lunch they go what are you reading and you just hold the cover up and they just kind of back away a little bit and then walk off and don't ask any more questions so the perfect lunchtime book yeah i love the the sense of family that that book has in this crazy situation that they've ended themselves up in and it has really good hooks in terms of like cliffhanger endings and stuff pulling you into the next issue and and leading you along the story uh are you gonna if you want more of that and you're waiting for that other uh, volume to drop, you should totally check out Black Eyed Kids uh, as kind of like it's in the same universe. And, okay. Uh, yeah. It's awesome. Is it also, also going to creep me out quite yes. a bit? Because... Oh, good. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm clearly getting enough sleep at the moment as it is. So uh... um, <laughs> I don't have the artist's name in front of me, but I know uh, Francesco Francavilla did the covers for oh, the series wow. and it yeah it it very much has it carries that tone into the book it's kind of like a uh it's kind of like a children of the corn type of scenario if you've ever seen that and it's i'm a really wishing i hadn't just googled it now because i didn't put the word comics on and i've just seen some terrifying pictures some terrible tattoos some eye no, tattoos. no uh the artist is i'm gonna pronounce that simon simon kudransky Mm -hmm. Simon like, Kodransky. Yeah. Um, no, apparently it's it's um, a contemporary legend of supposed paranormal creatures that resemble children. And mm -hmm. that's a terrifying image that is now burned into my retina. They're real. Awesome. They're out there. Please stop. <laughs> I live on my own and I watched the Ted Bundy movie this week. I'm a oh, genius. Oh, the one with uh, Zac Efron? Yeah, High School Musical Bundy. Was it any um, good? It it was, but I had to watch it in stages. I couldn't watch more than like half an hour of it at a time because the whole... It's basically it's all told from the perspective of 
his girlfriend so there's a lot of emotional manipulation happening and there's a lot of um things that were horribly reminiscent for me and i was watching it going this is just hitting me a little bit too hard mm. and i'm gonna go for a walk now and mm. no you shouldn't go for a walk there'll be a serial killer out there oh god bob not helping <laughs> oh my god that's it no i just I've, son I'm of done. sam could be out there please oh god bob do you have any questions or comments for sarah's books <laughs> Before you traumatize Sarah anymore. No, no, that's why I'll shut up. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, let's move on to, well, what would what would have been my lightning round, which is now just whatever the hell I want it to be. Woo! Joey. Joey Braccino. He's not here. I'm going to blame him for all of this. <laughs> I went ahead. Joey talked about an original graphic novel last week published by Archaea called Waves. Uh, I, I apologize. I'm probably going to get these names wrong, but Ingrid Charbet and Carol uh, Murrell. So this is the book that Joey was talking about, about a couple who are trying to have a child. And unfortunately they get part of the way there and then they lose the baby. And this is, the journey of the mother losing the child and kind of finding herself again and the, the aftermath of all that as a couple, as an individual, as somebody looking to fill the void, all of those things. This book is an emotional powerhouse and it's not good just because it's sad. Everybody knows that I love sad books, but it's just, it's got so much life to it too. And one of my absolute favorite things about this book is the art and the manner in which the art and specifically the color is delivered throughout the story where when it begins and everything is hope and everything is going okay, it's all colorful and, and things are just popping left and right and it's beautiful. And then unfortunately the tragedy happens and then all the color is drained from the book, turning it to black and white. And as you go through the journey of the mother finding herself again, the book starts to have more and more color. The people that are helpful helpful to her during this, you know, process, suddenly their clothing, you can see the purple in their jackets, the, the yellow in their skirts and stuff like that. And you start to realize that these are important figures in this dull life that she is now living. And gradually... The book just comes back at the end and is all beautiful and all colorful again. And it ends on a, I'd like, I'm happy to say on a, on a hopeful and positive note, like Joey had said, but what a ride this book was. Uh, I did not cry. <laughs> I don't. Joey's like, I ugly cried. Did you ugly cry? <laughs> like, no, but if I could have, I would have, because damn, I'm the kind of person where instead of crying, my chest caves in and I lose my breath. And by the time that I was done with this book, uh, I just, I, I felt like the, the waves had crashed over me. All these emotional waves that were just pummeling my heart as I was going through this book. But I enjoyed every single page of it. Uh, hashtag Joey was right. <laughs> and uh, it's it's positively gorgeous. It's something that everybody 
should read. Keep in mind the kind of like mental headspace you maybe want to be in, prepare yourself before you go into a book like this. But man, mm-hmm. I think by the end of it, you'll you'll be really glad that you read it. Um, About Betty's Boob is an emotional powerhouse too. Like this is a little bit different, and I and I definitely understand what Joey was saying about this book being a little bit more, um, a little bit brighter than something like Rosalie Lightning and uh, how this carries kind of a different air about it. But uh, really, really spectacular stuff. Uh, If you could find it on a shelf in a bookstore, definitely pick it up and thumb through it because it is positively gorgeous. Uh, I thought that Laura Dean had been one of the most gorgeous things I'd seen this year, but this uh, this book is right alongside that for sure. So uh, thanks for the heartache, Joey. (laughs) Love you. Uh, I read the rest of Murder Falcon. And yeah, it's done. It's over. I had no idea. I'm reading the book and I'm catching up and I'm like, yeah, this rocks throwing up the horns. And then I'm reading the back batter and it's like, so this puppy's going to be done in two more issues. And I went, what? And so it's over. It ended. I really hope that there's an encore. We don't need it. But by God, Sarah, as the only other person on this podcast that was reading this book, are how many issues are you in there? I think I made it up to how many issues are there in total? Because I think there's, I'm three behind. There's, there's eight. eight in total. Yeah. Yes, I read up to five and I absolutely love it. And you've just broken my heart by telling me that it's finishing. It's clever and it's funny and it's heartbreaking and it's oh, emotional yeah. and it's absolutely amazing. And how can you you just be like, oh, yeah, it's going to finish. It can't finish. I love it. It's brilliant. It's it. It's done. It's over. I've read the last page of Murder Falcon. And let me tell you, if you think that you have seen stuff in that book yet, I was exactly where you were when I sat down. I needed to go six, uh, six and up. And so I went back and I read it um, from, I guess, the middle from like four. And the last three issues are just incredible. There are so many double page spreads in this book that I just want to get prints of them and put them all over the house. They're absolutely spectacular. And so you know about the thing that's kind of lurking in the background and and about the main character and whatnot. And so that stuff comes full circle as well. And there's a bit more, uh, there, more, there are some more reveals to that story because they've already <gasps> flipped the script on on you at least twice with yes. that stuff. And there's more of that. So there's mm. more to that story. And when it hits, it hits so hard. This book is so absolutely metal and so good that I, I can't wait for other people uh, to read it. Maybe at the end of the year. Uh, we'll find out. But well, Murder I, I've I've only read five of eight, and I'm already. It's got a little mark next to it on the ah, list. So hold it with me. Just, just <laughs> I I use I use a symbol of different marks on my list because everything's handwritten. Oh, you, have a, you have a legend. You have a key. Yep. Yep. I look. I'll just say this: it's one of those books that to look at it, or if you're like, oh, well, I don't like heavy metal, so I'm not going to bother with it. It has so much depth and so many layers to it, and it is just, it's an explosion of art and references, and there are, there are legends 
that arrive in this book. Uh, and it is just so damn good. I highly, highly recommend Murder Falcon to anybody that has not read it. Um, gets the Steve seal of approval. My own, mm-hmm. uh, my own Oprah thing. <laughs> Who's going to play the Murder Falcon when they make the movie? Uh, Murder Falcon would have to be Andy Serkis. Put him, put him in a motion capture suit. Okay. Bird him up and let's go. There, yep. uh, that would actually be a really fun, like fantasy casting movie, to do, uh, for sure. Because there's there's a lot of great characters, and my God, the the special effects in a movie like that would just I would love to see, um, who's the dude that did um, Scott Pilgrim? Edgar Wright. Yes, I would like to see Edgar Wright's Murder Falcon. That's yes. what I want. Yeah, but not with CGI, with like practical effects. Oh yeah, get the t- team. All right, team up Edgar Wright with the Jim Henson Company. Yes, and <gasps> and have them make Murder Falcon, make a giant mammoth, and and do all of that stuff. Giant Snuffleupagus with tusks, yeah. <laughs> just raging. It'll be awesome. <laughs> can we? Can we like? Can we kickstart this? Can we get in touch with some people? This needs to happen. I can make a phone call or two. I know a few people. Make the calls. Uh, let's see. I also <laughs> read. Uh, I'll say something for it really quick. I read Pearl Volume One. This is a Jinx World stuff. Brian Michael Bendis and uh gatos i can't remember your first name no hold on wait michael gatos there you go uh absolutely positively beautiful beautiful work gatos's art kind of reminds me of when phil no but for really anything phil noto does but when phil noto was doing black widow and how Mm. you had just this incredible portfolio of this person's work that every single page is something that you would hang on a wall that kind of thing some really cool characters a little inconsistent at times in terms of mood like for as much time as you spend with them there's a there's a heavy air of mystery around them you spend much of the book kind of following these two uh let's just call them like lover characters and they wind up uh sparking or getting involved in a battle i believe between the yakuza and it just you know it's a big mess and there's a heavy uh tattoo influence from the main character's past and stuff like that she's got kind of a cool trick that she does with her ink and um it's a ride and it's cool and it's a crime book like that at its heart it's a crime book so every now and again there's like a little bit of humor that's injected into the book and it anytime that it happens it kind of hits me the wrong way like i'm not saying that you can't have jokes and whatnot but the the overall story and the overall mood of the book is so edgy and so like uh like atomic blonde meets i don't know somebody with really the guy the guy that directed mandy there you go um <laughs> what the hell is his name the barry manilow song no 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 oh okay um i know nick Cage. cosmic cosmetos or something like that anyway i'm sorry uh, i'm getting off track i this is very very cool like i said every now and again there's inconsistencies in the characters like the main character is so level and so mysterious and at one point she replies to somebody with the with the response yuppers and i was just kind <laughs> of like what, what? 
what? Like that's the and that's the only time that she expressed something like that or came off as bubbly. And I I just don't know if it was the right time to show uh, character variations of mood, but it was weird. I don't know. It that stuck with me. So take that for what you will. <laughs> um, but an absolutely gorgeous book. Cool story. I think I might wait until the second volume is collected. I don't know that I'm going to move on to monthly with it, but uh, I'd wanted to check it out. And there you have it. Okay. The other thing I want to say really quick is I saw, I wish Joey was here. Saw John Wick chapter three Parabellum. It was amazing. It was friggin' amazing. They've already announced that they're making a fourth John Wick, maybe even a fifth. And I am all about it these movies get better every single time they come out john wick on a horse john wick <laughs> on a motorcycle john wick fighting in like a fun house of invisible mirrors it is bananas bananas and it's also very self-aware of what it is and the, for me the john wick movies have always been it's very thin on story heavy on lore as far as like the assassination uh, guild and the Continental Hotel and how that functions. There are all these rules and all of these cool tricks to the game that you're finding out as these movies come out. And of course, the movie is called John Wick Chapter 3. It feels very much like an in-between chapter of a story. Like It feels like you're watching the third Harry Potter movie as opposed to like, a, like a one and done like yeah i could watch this from beginning to end only only john wick three and get where everybody's coming from no it is a direct continuation of the second film i suspect the fourth one will be as well and this keanu reeves Derek kolstad thing that they've invented and created is taken off and it's making money and it is so good uh, i went with bronwyn and our friends brad and colleen and there was like hollering in the theater there was fist pumping there was gasps there were people just like somebody would get it real bad and you just hear like oh <laughs> like <laughs> bones going the wrong way knife fights that were so looney tunes and just amazing um it was asia kate dylan plays this uh she plays an adjudicator which is basically a uh, representative of the High Council of Assassins. And she serves as, I guess, the villain in this. I felt like this movie didn't have a villain, to be honest. Uh, she was just kind of getting shit done. And, uh, you know, a little bit of, the, of a thorn in the side and whatnot. But uh, just following orders, not necessarily anything nefarious. Uh, but like I said earlier, I really love the world of John Wick. I love all the rules of the assassination guild. I love that at one point in the movie, he's being chased by somebody. They're all trying to kill him because there's $15 million on his head. And he basically rolls up to where the continental hotel is and where the continental hotel is, is neutral ground. You can't attack anybody when you're on the grounds and he rolls over. The guy's just about to get him. And he just puts his hand on this first step of the hotel and that's, and it's over. He missed, he missed his chance, and they both have got to go inside, and they're both sitting on the same couch, each one grumpier than the other on opposite. It's so funny. It's so good. 
Uh, and there are even moments when the movie recognizes how absolutely bonkers it is. And they'll, John Wick will say somebody, something to somebody and be like, boy, this is really... This is really ridiculous, isn't it? Look at you. You've got a sword in your chest. And I'm just like, yes, they know. <laughs> anyway, if you're a fan of John Wick and you're like, oh, I could wait until it. Don't go see it in theaters. It's fantastic. I loved it. Everybody loved it. John Wick four, five, six. I don't care. Give them to me. All of them. Until Keanu Reeves is old and gray. Do old man Wick. I will. I will be there. <laughs> All right. Uh, I also saw John Cleese live. Why There Is No Hope was the name of his show. Yikes. And I can sum this up for you very quickly and then we can move on. It was pretty much John Cleese talking about how we're all fucked for an hour and a half. It was amazing. Uh, (laughs) He is very aware of the state of the world and how people treat people nowadays. And he was not afraid to elaborate on that his thoughts and feelings uh, including a little bit of comedy a little bit of philosophy lots of plugging of his friends books that's for sure and uh, <laughs> a little q a uh session as well and it was the same venue uh that we had for the metric and uh july talk show oh awesome so, yeah they kind of like halved the arena and uh just brought a curtain down in the middle and threw a little stage up for him and they had a simple little setup with some chairs and whatnot. And he stood at a podium and he did his whole thing. And it was, you know, like for as much as it was funny and it was funny, mm-hmm. I, I found it more interesting and enlightening than funny. Yeah. So, you know, like he's a, he's a really smart dude and he's, he's been around for a while and he's kind of, decided how he feels about some things and i just i never really realized how much i have in common with john cleese and some of some of his views not all but some of them and i was just like i think i could hang out with john cleese i think we'd have we'd have a good time (laughs) should have bought the vip ticket damn it (laughs) so anyway he'd done uh, he's done a number of books over the years with all sorts of partners of the human face yep I saw it was that. his, and they did that the whole mini series for I guess it was PBS at the time, and uh, mm-hmm. he spent a lot of years in therapy, trying to sort out what was going on inside his head, and realized how helpful it could be, and sort of just spread that with. And his, his doctor's name was Robin. I'm drawing a blank. I shouldn't. It was Robin something or other, not Robin Thick. It was Robin something or other. <laughs> and they did a number of books and did all these sort of events, and yeah, I, the, the Pythons were Cambridge and Oxford educated folks. Yeah. It's why that show, and I use this word a lot, and people sometimes aren't don't grasp it in the way I put it out there, which is, I guess, more the way I deliver the message. Python is silly, but it is not stupid. It is silly because it, it carries so much weight and intelligence in the craziness that it's out there that they're doing a game show that is the, the summarized Proust competition. Mm-hmm. Or it's 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 soccer matches between world philosophers and pirates or whatever crazy is going on. There is still something really smart going on underneath the fish lapping dance or whatever else is going on. So it is it is very always very clever. There was always a message. It definitely leaned into into its 60s 70s roots and and 
there isn't a project any of them have done on their own that's ever really varied from that. Mm -hmm. He was uh, talking a lot about Python and saying how they were writers, not actors. And mm -hmm. so when people, when they were trying to sell the show, it was really, really difficult. And a lot of people, you know, wrote them off. It was kind of a far side situation um, in terms of it almost being like a happy accident kind mm -hmm. of thing. But uh, yeah, absolutely fascinating show. Uh, and one thing I will say, and then we'll move on, John Cleese, if you're listening to this, <laughs> let me offer you just a tiny bit of advice. If you're going to go on tour and you're going to plug all your books and all your friends' books, have like a merch booth, have a, have a section, have a stand where people can go and purchase copies of the book. Maybe even charge an extra 10 bucks for a signed copy, you know, make a, make a little bit of extra... Cheese <laughs> on the side. Just saying. Yes. Just saying. You know, like I would, I would have bought your book, sir. I would have, I would have bought your book if it was there. So, I'll but it my, wasn't to you. By thirty-five dollars or whatever it would have cost. <laughs> there were some, there were some, there were some coconut halves in the lobby at a, at a merch table, though, right? John Cleese tour poster. <laughs> Just him trying to do the walk. The silly walk. Yeah, the silly walk. He said something. Oh, I think somebody was asking him to do the silly walk, and he's he said something about it, all of his knee replacements and his hip replacements yeah. and stuff like that. He's <laughs> like, I can't do that anymore. Um, oh, and one one last thing, he does not like shouters. So if you go to see John Cleese live, do not think you're cool and try to yell something at him from wherever you are. He will literally stop the show and make an example out of you uh, in a Good. hilarious way. He also called out somebody who was rushing to their seat down on the floor that was carrying two beers. And he goes, are you going to drink both of those? And they walked up to him and they gave him the beer. He took <laughs> the beer, took a big swig of it, and then grabbed his water bottle, uncapped it, and threw it off the stage and just kept drinking his beer for the rest of the show. Nice. <laughs> so... Uh, I don't know how big a fan John Cleese is of Budweiser, but uh, he was very gracious about it. <laughs> I probably would have gone looking for the water bottle. <laughs> All right. That's my comedy segment for the for this podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, let's move on to some open discussion books. Bam, bam, bam. You know what time it is, everybody? It's War of the Realms time. <gasps> yeah. That's right. Every other week, we spoil the shit out of War of the Realms. <laughs> so this is your warning. If you're not reading it, go read it. It's so much fun. It's so good. Uh, very widespread. Everybody's getting in on War of the Realms. We are going to spoil the book. Uh, I basically have been doing these little mini reviews in... Uh, bullets because the only way that i can really wrap my brain around trying to write about this book just because of how epic it is and so these are my bullet points for this week's edition of war of the realms as the wielder of bitter blade and the new guardian of the black bifrost lady freya has spirited groups of her compatriots away to what remains of the ten realms spoiler there's not much of them left. And so she's tasked everybody with like, go and see who's left. Tell them what we're doing and get their asses to Mars. Or rather, tell them to meet in Midgard 
We're going to bring the fight to them. We're going to get this done and all that jazz. So in War of the Realms number four, you get She-Hulk, motivational speaker, <laughs> Ghost Rider, Demon Spider Wrangler, Shuri, dead celestial energy cannon pilot, Odin Borson, the Iron Allfather. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> and oh no we could talk about that now i didn't put a gap in my notes and i'm, I'm giving away my answer to a, a question from uh listener question for later anyway there's another epic issue of war of the realms i positively love it i am i am frightened of lady freya man she looks wicked as the wielder of bitter blade with all these crazy like purple and black electric spikes flying off her and she hulks beside her and she's messing things up. And she's like, you got to go. I need you elsewhere. And she's like, no, I'll have to, you know, help you defend this place. And Lady Freya's like, I don't need you. Like I got the blade. Don't worry about it. And so she sends she hulk off and you just see Lady Freya cut loose. And just as she's getting overwhelmed, Odin teams up with Tony Stark because Tony is always thinking ahead and has actually designed Odin his own <laughs> friggin' Iron Man suit. This gold, gorgeous suit that he's firing repulsor cannons and doing his Odin thing, calling down like lightning and thunder and just ripping things to shreds. The battle ends epically. I, I, I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, at the end of their uh, their kind of part in this story, but it was just awesome, and I loved that uh, Freya and Odin were essentially like argue flirting their way through the battle, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, just an, another stupendous issue. You get some great Punisher in, in this for for all few of his words, so good. Uh, written by Jason Aaron. Drawn by Russell Downerman, colors by Matthew Wilson, lettered by VC's Joe Sabino. Uh, and by the way, check out, like, what is this? One, two, th the third page of this book, the ra the Shattered Rainbow page, is so, the one with Daredevil at the bottom, you'll, you'll see it. Epic. Just positively, positively epic. This book never disappoints. Downerman never disappoints. Love seeing him on all these characters, doing all these crazy things in this wild story. And man, if we're winding down to the end of their run uh, after the, a little bit after this, this is such an amazing way to go out. All right. I've talked enough. I want to hear actually from Sarah first. Hi. Hi. Um. Okay. I've been loving War of the Realm so far. Um. I've been really enjoying it. I totally understand why you have both been raving about um russell doutman's art the first note i made about this is about the color work it is stunning matthew wilson is a genius and i absolutely mm -hmm. adore everything that he's doing um the punisher is still funny i love anything that involves she hulk but i'm gonna be honest this one didn't hit the mark for me as much um <gasps> I kind of, I was, I found a few things a bit confusing. I didn't really understand why Freya's got all the jaggedy lines coming out of her. Is that because she's the bridge thingy now? Yeah, I think it's a byproduct of mm. wielding the blade. 
Okay, I didn't really get that. I kind of could have lived without Tony Stark just being a bit of a douche because he's Tony Stark. And the whole the whole Odin in the armor thing, I just this is the most ridiculous thing I'm ever gonna say about a book called War of the Realms in which Earth has been invaded by like frost giants, but it felt a bit contrived. Um, <laughs> I realise what I'm saying. Um, it just, it was, it, it just felt like a cheap move to me. Like, oh, we need to do something because, you know, Odin can't possibly save the world with just him and Freya. Let's give him some armour. And to be honest, as soon as I saw that armour, I was like, "Is am I reading Wicked and Divine? Am I still reading War of the Realms? Because- so sexy Odin doesn't do it for you? I'm sorry, that is sexy Odin? He look, uh, compare, uh, in compared to when he's not wearing it, how lean he looks in this armor? I he, looks will, very, he looks very sleek. He looks like you could probably heat him up and cook an egg on him. I'll stick with Freya, thanks. Yeah, well, they're both there. I don't think it... I mean, no, it no, was to give him an edge it's... because he was pretty messed up. It wasn't, you know, like he wasn't at full power. He wasn't through his full uh, Odin sleep. No, no, I get that. I just, I just... <laughs> The, the Iron Allfather, I was just like, oh, really? And even Freya is like, what are you wearing? Um, and I, I like the whole, the, like the banter between them and the way that they're just kind of riffing off of each other. And I enjoyed that. But I, I don't know. It just, it felt a little bit cheap with everything else that they've done, with all the other characters that they've used and the way that they've developed them. And also one thing I didn't get, because um, I was looking at, what's coming out next week which seems to include the story of how they get thor but they've already got thor and i was like i don't really understand what's like last time i did did they have a conversation with thor i thought last time they went to get thor they were just like he was knee deep in frost giant bits i found it a bit i'm sure that there's more to it it might be from a different perspective yeah i just the first three and all of the spin-offs, all the tie-ins that I've read, I've really, really, really enjoyed. This one just didn't hit the mark for me as much. Still a good book, still worth the read, still going to carry on reading it. But it just it didn't hit me the way that the others had. Sorry. I'll, so I'll, Odin's no. golden codpiece did not do it for you. It did not do it for me, no. <laughs> um, as I said, I think I'll kind of stick with Angry Jagged Freya. Because she she looks badass. I yeah, just don't great. really get it. And um, the whole kind of Venom Stonehenge thing just kind of, I was just like, what? What's happening? There's like one page. And well, we haven't been really... told what, that, what that's all about yet. It didn't make any sense. Well, not yet. It's it's set, I think it's setting up things for later. I'm running on about four hours sleep a night at the moment. Okay, don't don't give me setup. Give me payoff. Give you setup. Don't oh, give right. me setup. I need payoff. I need things to make sense. Um, yeah. I also, I also think. I mean, as far as like the Iron All Father thing goes, I mean, it was what uh, an issue ago, maybe two, that we saw Daredevil become the new Heimdall. Oh, I totally bought that. <laughs> right, but I'm saying, like, I think I'm this this book is is hitting those notes, right? Like, you're looping back around to these big, ridiculous uh, character variants, just to just to have like this extra 
level of ridiculousness in this, you know, ridiculously epic tale. Um, and you know, it's totally cool. Like if it's one of the things doesn't, doesn't fly for you, whatever. I just, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster with this thing. And it's that part of the roller coaster where you have those little bumps that you're going up and down. And every one of the, the high points of those is another character variant reveal and being like, ah, there's okay. So now we've got Odin Borson, the iron all father. Why not? I've never been on a real roller coaster. Well, oh, Sarah, you never eaten a bagel before I served you a bagel, and now you haven't been on a roller coaster. You okay, anybody, me. anybody who's been onto Brighton Pier that knows the roller coaster on Brighton Pier, the one that goes upside down once and is a little bit scary, and about six weeks ago, part of it fell off and knocked a kid out. That's the only roller coaster that I've been on. So, okay, that's I've led, corrected. I've led a very sheltered life, and I'm very, very sorry, but. Yeah, the roller coaster analogy doesn't work for me. To Dorney Park, and we're gonna go and ride Hercules. Hercules, and then we'll talk. And I'm gonna do that all day. Hercules is a good old-fashioned wooden roller coaster. Uh, I don't know if it's still there. Maybe parts of it fell on a kid's head. I don't know. But uh, oh my god! Now we have to go to a theme park. Now we have to plan another vacation. We need to go to a theme park. Would you go on a roller coaster if, like, we were all sitting next to you? Yeah, it's not that I wouldn't go on a roller coaster. It's that I've never gone to a theme park that has actual roller coasters because I just haven't. Do they I've... not have Disney where you are? France. No. France. There's a Disneyland in Paris, and no one will ever go to Disneyland in Paris with me because I'm a child, and, like, everyone I know is a grown-up, and they don't want to go to Disneyland Paris. Oh, so no. I'm just going to throw this one out there. If anyone out there is listening and would like to take me to Disneyland in Paris, I have a passport. I will go with you, but I don't have any money, so uh, someone's got to pay. Bronwyn and I might be able to make that happen. <gasps> We're planning on going overseas, hopefully next year, maybe instead of coming, uh, or maybe we could do both, and coming directly to you, we'll go to Paris instead, and we'll kick things off in Disney. If I inhale anymore, I'll die. Uh, we'll talk about it off air. That is definitely something that might happen. But yeah, I've never been to Disney, and I've never been to a real theme park, and I'm a terrible attempt at a human being, and I'm sorry. Also, I've never seen any of the John Wick movies, so I probably, you know, shouldn't tell you that either. All right, that's it. You need it out. Me neither. Go to bed. Sorry. Go to bed. <laughs> I haven't done All either right. of those things either, Sarah. Don't worry. Funny never been to Disneyland and you've Bob. never seen John Wick. Oh, Bob, no. You Joey, see, where are you? Joey's not here. Everything's falling apart. I can see that. Jesus, I'm out here on an island. <laughs> no man All is right. an island. I am. All right. <laughs> I keep saying the word all right. I've got to stop myself. Bob, please talk about Black Widow number five so I can shut up. Okay. I, I did like War of the Realms, by the way. Oh, yes. That's yeah, okay. there you go. Some more War of the Realms talk. I love it. Go ahead. Well, look, to, to paraphrase Ghost Rider, just when you think it can't get any more metal, uh, <laughs> just uh, with the, the focus in this issue mostly on Freya, you still get to check in everywhere else and the way those pages and the spreads are divided with various tendrils of dark energy and stuff the artwork is sensational in those little bits and pieces i really thought that uh, jason and, and russell Dowderman really give you a sense of the the, the gravitas the, the the stakes 
in question is just epic in scope and majesty. The whole thing and the uh, even the tie-ins, the ones I've read so far, I have not gone crazy and buying buying lots and lots of extra issues, but they've all worked in giving you something extra. So, uh, to me, it's been the best Marvel event in many many years. Indeed. Let me ask you a question, and mm-hmm. this is a this is an in general to both of you. There's a moment in this book when Logan is being picked up by Luffy and Spider-Man webs Logan's arm and let says, let go my Logan. Hey, let go my Logan. Um, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's an okay joke. But my question is this. Spider-Man webs people to pull them out of the way an awful lot in uh-huh. comic books. He does it all the time. If his webbing doesn't dissolve for an hour. They've made a point of saying that in so many Spider-Man books that I've read. You know, he's always leaving the criminals there and going off to the next thing because it'll hold them for an hour. So when he webs Logan, is Logan now, after he's rescued, going to have Spider-Man's webbing all over his jacket for the remainder of this fight for at least the next hour? Well, he yes. could, but he has adamantium claws. He can just rip them off. Oh, okay. All right, well, okay. Let, if yeah, it but then he'd rip his jacket open. If it was Luke Cage, would he then have to wait an hour until it would dissolve? Yes. But yeah, I'm Spider-Man, just saying... Spider-Man's Luke... like a, a kid genius. He'd have some kind of, like, webbing dissolver. He some... better, because I gotta tell you, the dry cleaning bills on teaming <laughs> up with him would be horrendous. So, I don't know, just some food for thought. I was looking at this page and I'm like, I wonder if that stuff dissolves for like his friends. If there's a setting on his web shooters that like friend criminal webs, hero webs or something like that. Only in the Uh, Tony Stark version of his suit. Yeah. And one more thing, the, the panel you were talking about, Bob with ghost rider. Mm -hmm. I took one look at that. And first of all, I got some hardcore Harry Potter two memories, but before I'd even read the dialogue on that page, I looked at the image of Ghost Rider and I was like, oh man, that is so metal. And he says exactly <laughs> that at the end of his little dialogue bubble there. And yep, yeah, super good. Really enjoying it. Celestials, dead, dead celestial bodies being charged up and, and letting loose rays of energy all over the universe. It's just crazy. Like, what is the aftermath of something like this? How the hell are they going to rebuild when this is over? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, damage control is is on the on the case. Um, and am I mistaken, or does does ah, you know what? No, I won't. I won't talk. Maybe I'll talk about that off air. I don't want to give everything away. Okay, Black Widow time. Oh, we are at the finale. It is Black Widow number five by Jen and Sylvia Sasca, art by Flaviano, colors Veronica Gandini, letters by Joe Caramagna. The momentum that's been building across the first four issues uh, has really taken the Widow's Quest down some very, very dark and winding roads with twists upon twists as Natasha wended her way to those at the top of the noxious No Restraints Play Enterprise. The Twisted Twins' Widow Unleashed is a fearsome sight to behold, even, or especially when, she coldly delivers lines such as, I already have everything your financiers, your viewers, their home addresses, their blood money, it's over. The only thing I came here to collect is you. Yeah. 
Another special part of the work done here by Jen Sylvia Saska is the emotional range that Natasha's displayed for just four pages after that quote from before, the future of the rescued children as well as that of the little girl named by these monsters is set out in a way that frankly brought me to tears. Natasha's, hello again, my little sister. Do you remember me? Do you remember the promise I made you? They followed this up with a wonderful scene featuring Steve Rogers and then a stunning final page coda. And it just makes me wish that this was an ongoing series. Uh, the twins delivered on everything they said this series was going to be and more. And please, please, Marvel, bring us some more Sasuke sisters. Hmm. I saw something they had mentioned. Is the trade out as well? Did they trade will be it? out? Trade will be out very sure. I think we're like three weeks away from the trade. Okay. All right. I must have missed. I must have not understood what I read from them. Uh, here's a question in Natasha's bracelets. When she shoots one of those things off and takes somebody down, what are they bullets? Are they tranks? What are they? They were electronic blasts in their time. They've been sort of taserly wire things. It depends who's writing and drawing the book. Generally speaking, it's an electronic blast. Okay. Not, not a bullet. Okay. Uh, and yes, the other thing I wanted to say was the moment uh, at the end with uh, the little girl was... Well, that almost got me, too. It's a good thing that I read this earlier in the week, because if I had read this along with Waves, I would have just crumpled yeah. <laughs> beetle on the ground. Uh, absolutely, positively amazing final page, too. This would make for a killer, killer print for any of the Saskas, like, con appearances or Flaviano's table or whatever. And, yeah, just, you know, we've talked about it every issue all around really really enjoyed it like bob said delivered on every promise that they made when we spoke to them a couple months back and yes please if you've been waiting to check this out it is totally now that it's done and it, it ended well and it's it's totally worth your time so if you're at all a fan of the saskas or black widow check out the trade or buy the individual comics uh if you would sarah did you get to check it out i did i actually reread all of it today nice. um i thought it was an absolutely great resolution to the story i loved the fact that they kind of left it open for more stories in the future um there was one particular part which i'm i don't want to spoil it but it was the it was the whole real victim speech mm -hmm. thing yeah. and the way that they just completely called it out i absolutely loved that um that was that just really took me back to um, when the Soska sisters were on the show and they were talking about the great rapist cleansing of 2018. <laughs> yeah. I was just reading that. And as soon as, as soon as the person started speaking, I was laughing. I was like, I, I just, they have to do what I want them to do. And then they did it. And that was absolutely brilliant. Um, I loved the widow warriors bless. Yes. They're adorable. I want more of them. Um, the only thing I would say is having read the four issues before it, the art on this one, like facially, it did it wasn't quite up to the same standard as the first four issues. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's just me being pernickety because apparently I'm being super judgmental. No, today. I, no, honestly, Sarah, I, I, I mean, I've I've always enjoyed the art, but I think the art really, really came came to its peak with the fourth issue i enjoyed this one as well like i said that final page is absolutely just stunning 
Uh, but there were sections of the artwork that I, I thought were a little awkward as well. So I don't think you're alone. Oh, okay. Yeah, some of, some of the faces just seemed kind of a little bit wonky and a bit off. But um, oh, no, the faces. <laughs> everyone loves a wonky face. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, though, and this is me being hypercritical and um, a bit tetchy. The bit that you're both talking about that like brought you to tears with the little girl. <laughs> My first thought was, well, how'd she get them so quick? Then she just come straight off the boat. and i kind of missed the whole emotional beat of that because i was just being like well logistically that doesn't make any sense Uh, Um, iron man suit probably dropped it off to her right it does (laughs) you know where they came from right stark Um, tech but yeah the colors as well i just want to say about the colors in this book um there's a lot of um, like purples and golds as a counterpoint to the reds and the blacks. And there's one particular page where um, bullets are being fired and it's just like the word bang and the way that they've juxtaposed the pink of the word against the purple of the background with the gold. It's just beautiful. It is. There is one particular page that for me was just like the best page of the entire book. Um, which I really enjoyed, but I just wanted to mention the colorist because he is doing jolly good work on this book. She, she said, realizing that it's not a he. It's Veronica. Just... Well, it's Veronica Gandini. We don't know. We don't know what Veronica's pronoun of choice is. I'm assuming it's because everything else that I've read that I've praised recently has been um, Matt Wilson. So... <clears throat> and you know what else? There's dudes everywhere in the comic book industry. Too many, if you ask me. I was about to use the word sausage fest, and then I realized people listen to this. So, yeah. That's okay. I make Um, myself on the show. Veronica Gandini. Veronica looks to be female. Quite attractive, actually. Um, I'm from Argentina, but I got nothing else on that one. Sorry, Veronica, um, if I have misgendered you. Um, But your color works really, really good. Yes. So, sorry. Indeed. Now, apparently, Alrighty. Jen and Sylvia have pitched something else. We, mm. we will keep our fingers crossed, and we should also congratulate them for getting a first look picture deal with Prospero Pictures, the producers of David Cronenberg's films for all those years. Nice. So, mm. uh, positioned themselves nicely with Rabbit coming out this summer or early fall, and then. Who knows? Yeah, they had named actually a couple of his that they would like to redo. I would like to see oh. them redo Videodrome. Oh, yeah. that film's insane. Love that movie. That would be awesome. I think their their pick is Dead Ringers. Yes, that was the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Jeremy Irons is twin gynecologist. Yeah. <laughs> and I they would they would they would stuff in a while. A uh, big fan. Who? No, nah, I'm not going to get into a whole movie thing. I need to watch Jacob's Ladder again. They have a, a new one coming out, like a rebooted version of Jacob's Ladder with uh, Michael uh, Elay coming out. So go and check that out. All right. Let's uh, while we're talking about movies, let's move nice. on. Smooth this segue. Week's bat news. Na, 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 Bat news. Bat news. <laughs> Robert Pattinson of Twilight fame has been named 
as the top contender to play the Batman for Matt Reeves's The Batman. He was go. Uh, it's basically down to Pattinson and Nicholas Holt. You will know him from the movie about that guy, the, the science of everything, or something like that. Uh, but moreover, the dude from Mad Max. Is his name Nugs or something like that? Nox. The war boy. Nox. 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 Nux. Yeah. Nux. That's it. That's it. He was Nux in uh, Max. He was also Beast yeah. in the X-Men First Class and so on films. Uh, both both interesting choices for Bruce and the Batman. And I mean, when they say that somebody's in talks to to be that character, it basically means that it's a done deal. Whether it's the contracts are all but signed. Uh, if they're not already by the time that that news gets out. So for all intents and purposes of this conversation, Robert Pattinson will be the next Batman taking over for Ben Affleck. And I got to say, I'm all right with it. I'm totally all right with it. I am not going to hold the Twilight movies against him. Everybody's got to eat. Everybody's got to launch their their career somehow. He was Cedric Diggory in the Harry Potter franchise, so he gets points for that. And uh, in talking to some of my co-workers, I understand that he was also excellent in The Lost City of Z and was this Cosmo... Cosmopolis? Cosmopolis or something like that? Um, I'm sorry, I can't read anymore. Yeah. From what I understand, he has a couple of really decent credits to his name. And honestly, like my my attitude about it is that somebody has to do it, right? Whether it's Robert Pattinson or it's somebody else. I don't have an ideal bat actor in my head. I feel like if they're a good actor... They can hopefully grasp the character. And you know what? Like, if we're moving on to a different actor, I want to see a different take. And to be quite frank, there were a lot of people who were not into Michael Keaton playing Batman back in the day either. Mr. Mom coming in to play Batman. People were not not thrilled. And look at how that turned out. Got arguably the best Batman that we've had on the big screen, uh, in my humble opinion. And yeah, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's all fine. I look forward to seeing what he can do with the role. At the at the, the, the end of the day, I'm just glad that it's somebody unlikely and interesting to be playing the part. And it wasn't a situation where they broke the news and it went, oh, well, of course. Or it was somebody that had been in the running and seriously considered for a while and they just decided, to, well, they are. Uh, and it would have been very anticlimactic. So with Robert Pattinson memes going around and Boss Logic doing his renditions of Pattinson uh, a couple of months back, it was really cool to see that they had landed on him. And I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I am optimistic and I, I welcome the sparkly Batman memes Give them all to me. I will retweet them. I just sent you. I just sent you two. Excellent. 
Bob, what do you think of Robert Pattinson maybe suiting up as the Batman? I have never seen anything but the first two Twilight movies. Mm. Unless you unless you count a couple of clips of that zoo movie he made with elephants or whatever it was. Water zoo for movie. elephants. Water for elephants. That was the one. I saw like 10 minutes of that accidentally once. Um, I What I read, he does have good notices in other films. It's easy to make the, the cheap joke. And I sent Steve pictures of the zebra and rainbow Batman from back in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> so if they're going to go for that, you know, fine. The thing of it is, I'm, I'm just concerned we're going to do the origin again. We're going to see those pearls splattering in the gutter, and it's all going to be slow-mo. And uh, I'd, I'd have been really interested in seeing... The, I know what DC needs to do. They need to restart everything again and again and how on. Well, they do these things. But I would have been happier with Batman Beyond... And Terry McGinnis and giving us either Affleck as the older Bruce or even bringing back Keaton and doing something different, different, meaning set it in the future. Barbara's police commissioner. We do what they've been doing in the books for the last couple of years and take it somewhere a little different. We've, we've had uh, when was Batman Begins? 2006, seven, somewhere in there. Um, I'll get up for you. You know, we've had uninterrupted bat movies basically for a decade and some change. Mm-hmm. All set in basically the same sort of dark milieu, to be very French for a second. Same as talking about Paris. Um, uh, begins was 2005. Okay. So 14 years, give or take. Uh, he, yeah, could be, I mean, he could be very good. And it's, uh, the script was apparently okay, and Affleck was going to do it. And I don't think the movie's. Ben Affleck has been in, have been very good for the most part. Justice League better than the other. He, I think he's been good as both Bruce and, and the older sort of more grizzled Batman. And I found that a different oh, sort of take. Yeah, I thought Affleck was good. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Affleck's Batman. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't know what Reeves' Batman movie is going to be just yet because it's it's a standalone I mean, maybe they'll build sequels to it if it if it goes over really well. But I mean, it could skip right into an existing Batman. They might not have to do the origin stuff over again just because the the Joker is going to be an origin story. It doesn't um, necessarily mean that the Batman will be as well. I hope not. I hope I, you're right. I just I just think that when you throw that definite article in there, you're talking about his beginnings because the early years of the book, he was called by most criminals the Batman. Hmm. Generally, with a hyphen, interestingly enough, in the in the 30s and 40s. Okay. So I I have the feeling we're going backwards. I don't think we're going to do a period piece or a an oddball period piece the way Burton did, where it's a it's a land that's sort of who knows what time it is exactly. We'll you see. You know what time it is? <laughs> Clobbering time. It's bat time. Oh. Sarah. Hi. Robert Pattinson. Batman, go. I am currently looking at Robert Pattinson's IMDb, and I can officially say from his 39 acting credits, I have seen one movie that he's in. One. Which one is that? Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And ah, I didn't even remember that he was in it. So, a fine selection. Um, on the casting of Robert Pattinson... 
I don't particularly have an opinion as to him being the Batman. I have a number of opinions about the need and necessity for another Batman movie, but that's like a whole other conversation. Um, But what I would say is that he has taken a lot of flack on social media um, and maybe some of the whining little fanboys who are complaining on social media that this is just pandering to like a girly fan base. Maybe they should kind of accept the fact that there are people who work for casting agencies who have a job whose job it is to find a person for a movie and that maybe those people know what they're doing and perhaps they should not start signing petitions saying Mm -hmm. don't put this person in a movie until, I don't know, they've seen the movie or they've had a chance to make the movie. It just, it got to the point where I was just muting people because I was like, Get over yourself, okay? Not everything is made for everybody. Some things are made for audiences that aren't you. And from what I've read, he's apparently a good actor. I, As I said, I've only seen him in one film, which I didn't actually remember that he was in. But that, that's no reflection on him as an actor. That's a reflection on the Harry Potter movies all kind of blurring into one after a while for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so... I, I, I don't have an opinion on his casting because I don't know what the movie's going to be about and I don't know what Batman he's going to be playing. And as I said, it's just another Batman movie. Really? Right. So, you know, I, what, what if you played the zebra Batman? Would you be happier? I, I, there's a lot of characters <laughs> in the DC universe. Actually, no, that would make me miserable. <laughs> the backlash to that would just be too much. Too yeah. Much. I just, we've got Batman TV series, we've got Batman the Animated Series, we've got a whole plethora of Batman movies. There's a lot of other characters available. Maybe extend your horizons a little bit. Maybe acknowledge the fact. But does he have to have another movie? Could he not just be in someone else's movie? Can we have a Barbara Gordon movie that he's in? Can we, I don't know, maybe give some minority characters a chance to shine? Maybe have a female character in a movie? I just, you know, I know know, that nobody wants to see movies about female characters. I understand that. If it's not a mediocre white man, no one's going to watch it. That's not true. Look at how much money Captain Marvel made. Oh, it didn't make any money because everybody boycotted it, remember? Oh, yeah, right. Disney you, bought up all the tickets. You gotta <laughs> pay attention to the internet. I just I I'm 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 laboring the point because I think the very fact that we have to have the conversation because it counts as news that somebody has technically been cast in a movie that m- nobody knows anything about is a bit like it's just another Batman. It's exhausting, isn't it? It is. It is exhausting. It is. And I, the the thing is as well, like people at work started talking to me about it. I was like, I don't, I don't actually care. You, you, you yeah, like comics? Kind of you have to care. That with yeah. it too. Well, look, like, I'll were... always be curious about this stuff, but do I care? No, I really don't. Will I express some form of opinion? Yes, because that is literally what I do a podcast for. But am I going to have a cast iron opinion which I will set in stone and carve into a tablet and swear by until the day I die? I have to decide now. No. Robert Pattinson, Batman, yay or nay? Yeah, whatever. 
Yeah, that's the spirit. <laughs> I'm much I more do... intrigued by uh, Kate Kane's Batwoman as a television show next fall. Yeah, that looks really good. That looks really good. I'm glad to see that they're they're going with Alice as the uh, the starter villain. I think that's a real smart move. Do you, do you notice who's uh, do you notice who's playing her? I do not remember the actress. Actress name. is named Rachel Scarston. She's a Canadian actress who, 18 years ago, was one of the Birds of Prey. Oh, how do you like that? I like that a lot. Second was, life. Yes. Uh, just to go back to your point, Sarah, you gotta love the the story and narrative of some of these negative people online the idea that robert pattinson walked into like the casting agency to give his audition for batman tanked it so hard that they decided to entrust him with the future of the franchise and the name batman yeah, because this, 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 this is clearly, how it goes. It's, that's that's it's, how Warner wants to lose hundreds of millions of dollars again. Right, right. Because that's the plan is to not make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So come on, that's how Hollywood works. Oh, honestly, I have seen some of the most ridiculous statements about the casting and the fact that um, they're deliberately making a bad movie with him in it aimed at a teen girl audience so that they can lose money to prove that girls don't read comics because we don't. And that they're deliberately doing it so that they can prove to the point that Marvel faked the whole Captain Marvel thing and nobody actually went to see that movie and nobody cares about her. Um, and it's like the greatest conspiracy theory ever. So everyone get your tinfoil hats out. And, <laughs> and you know, it's a thing. I don't <laughs> see any of this. Oh, I went down some very, very oh. strange places. Uh, you gotta I think... send, you got to send me the links yes. to the rabbit hole, Sarah. Uh, by the way, I, I saw it was a carloid to that. That was that that theory that that whole conspiracy plan you're talking about sarah that's the actual subject of the meeting at trump tower with donald jr and the russians <laughs> but um bum bum it's redacted in the Mueller report oh okay we have a listener question related to our robert battinson announcement as tom was that what we're calling him no, that's what Tom Zim is calling okay. him. Uh, Tom says, given the backlash of the Robert Pattinson announcement, uh, how how did fans previously receive Batman uh, actor reveals? Keaton, Clooney, Kilmer, Bale, Batfleck? I don't necessarily remember Clooney or Kilmer, the reaction to Clooney or Kilmer, but I remember there being some very persnickety people when Keaton was announced as Batman and for as young as I was when that came out, I, I remember my parents talking about it. Uh, we had a party or barbecue at one point at a beach house, and there was a whole group of people griping over it. And I thought that was weird. And then uh, definitely Ben Affleck g- got a lot of heat for, for being cast as Batman. I think people were excited, but they were also a little frightened by his... I think that the, the Kevin Smith ties worked for and against him mm. on that. And it just, there was a, there was a very clear law, uh, line drawn in the sand when he was cast as Affleck. 
So those are the ones that I remember. Bale, I couldn't tell you. People were probably really jazzed because they've seen American Psycho. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, I could see that guy. Or The Machinist, he was incredible in that movie. That That's an awesome movie. Gnarly. That movie's so good. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Bob, do you uh, Yeah, the Keaton thing was uh, very big to do because just what you said before, everyone went with, it's Mr. Mom as Batman. Yes, mm-hmm. but two years after that, he was in Beetlejuice for Tim Burton. Yep. And you saw something, and obviously Mr. Burton saw something there that gave him confidence that Keaton could pull off the two sides of this character, or actually three sides of, of the character in some levels. And I really believe that he, to me at least, has been the best Batman on screen. And people will tell you, for a lot of people, it's Bale. There are moments, though, where I can see Keaton's Bruce Wayne being the the real Bruce Wayne, the sort of the damaged kid he was as an eight-year-old. There's the sort of he's over it sometimes. There's the Bruce Wayne he's pretending to be the playboy guy. And there's the Batman. And watching those characters mold themselves around whatever situation he's in the scene that everyone cites but i'll do it too because it's just so good want to get nuts oh yeah he totally channels beetlejuice in that moment you can hear it in his voice and it's just it's pretty special but it's that's the smaller moments sitting in the bat cave after a cat woman has jabbed him in the side with one of those sewing machine needles that she uses as claws and he's just sort of mindlessly rolling it over his hands as Alfred shows up with ointment and so on. There are real wonderful moments, small moments, that make the movie bigger for their inclusion. The scenes with Selena, the scenes with Vicky in the first movie. It's really good stuff that belied all the hubbub that came before. That he was followed by Val Kilmer, who was whose career was beginning to devolve as he did it, and it's Joel Schumacher, you could sort of see where we were headed, and he is just bland. He, we, it's, it's what everyone expected you were going to get is what you got. It was a very colorful movie with no center. It was very like a donut. <laughs> no center to it whatsoever. Clooney, George Clooney wasn't kind of George Clooney yet. He wasn't the actor-director that we sort of know. He's the, the television guy who had made a couple of interesting movies. I think George Clooney now could play Batman. I think back then, if he were in a Tim Burton movie, he could have played Bruce Wayne in Batman. In a Joel Schumacher movie where he's forced to utter, don't leave the cave without it. Bat nipples. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not his fault. And he, he has owned up to saying, I ruined this franchise. It wasn't him. He, he didn't help matters any. But it, it, if you could remake a movie that has in it George Clooney, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Uma Thurman and do it seriously, you'd have, you could have a heck of a Batman movie. <laughs> well, we didn't get that. We didn't get that one. I what love that, that movie. Really? So, Donald, uh, holy metal Batman. Yeah. What? The metal. It's. It's, 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 it's holy. holy. Oh, oh, okay. Bruce, <laughs> oh Bruce, my God. Bruce, it's me, Barbara. <laughs> no, shut up, Alicia Silverstone. You're not bad. You're not bad oh, girl. Boy. Ever. Ever. You like that movie, though, Sarah, so I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I, I love it. I think it is it's a fun. 
spectacularly camp example of how people can have fun making a movie. And I love it. Agreed. I got them all. Uh, Sarah, do you have any specific thoughts on this or do you want to move on? Honestly, I don't remember. Apart from the whole Batfleck thing, I don't remember any of these castings. And I think it's kind of one of the reasons that maybe I kind of liked the world when we didn't have the internet. Because, you know, people got cast in movies and then movies got made and then we went to see them and then we formed an opinion. (laughs) Never. And that is all I am going to say on that point. As Sarah wipes the dust from her shoulder. (laughs) All right. We have a listener question here from Sean Burkle. 22 plus years removed from Amalgam Comics, the DC Marvel team up event of 1997. What two characters, one Marvel and one DC, would you like to merge into a singular comic book character? What would you name that character and who would be the creative team on the title? Okay. So I didn't exactly break the brain bank for this one. I went with the first one that I thought of because I just want to see it real bad. And that is the Dark Knight Bat of Thunder. <laughs> I am all about the Thor. I have been for the past couple of years. It's... Might be a little bold to say that it's my... No, it's not my favorite Marvel title, but it is definitely up there for sure. And so I am just riding the wave right now with Jason Aaron's Thor. So I'm going to go with The Dark Knight, Bat of Thunder, written by Jason Aaron with art by Christian Ward. Ooh. Oh, love Christian Ward. But here's here's what it would be, is it would be Batman with the powers of Thor... But it would be Batman in Asgard and solving crimes, doing the detective Batman stuff, like a like a Batman Asgardian noir kind of thing. Nice. Him going around to the different realms and solving these like mysterious crimes and meeting new villains uh, and stuff like that. Mm. I think it would be. I think that would be really cool. You should read or reread Liam Sharp's Brave and the Bold. Right, Sarah? uh, Yeah. Everybody should read Liam Sharp's yeah, Brave yeah. and the Bold. He's the nicest man in comics, and he gave me a hug. Well, there you very go. much, very much in that vein. Yeah, I, but with I, I Jason Aaron yeah. and Christian Ward teaming up to deliver it, I think it would be, and it would be awesome to, instead of like instead of placing it in Gotham, you bring uh, Bat Thor or whatever to Asgard, where you have all these different realms and all these different colors and all of this blue sky and whatever and 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 take him out of his element and 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 make him have to traverse these realms solving like an like an overarching mystery with lots of little moving parts you do realize Uh, that you'd have to call it bat god bat god bat god you can't call it asgard it has to be bat god everywhere batman goes he puts the word bat in front of it puts a label on it (laughs) the bat bridge Raise the bad bridge. <laughs> there out, you go. <laughs> so that's my idea. Uh, Bob, what did you have? Well, first of all, I want to, just in case people don't remember, we actually, if you go to our website, I did write a whole article about Amalgam. I wrote it, I don't know, like seven or eight years ago. Uh, there was, 
back in 96, 97, there was a thaw in the Cold War in comic books, and DC and Marvel were getting along, and they had done a series called DC versus Marvel. And at one point, the, the, the two there were two brothers, two cosmic entities who were fighting over what universe, and that created the two separate universes. And then to save them, they get thrust together by the living tribunal into the amalgam universe. And so for Leap Week, February 29th of 90, let's see, let me get the date right so I have it in front of me here. It was, yes, it was, February 29th, 1996. There were no DC or Marvel books. There were only amalgam books. So it was Amazon, Assassins, Bruce Wayne, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Bullets and Bracelets, Doctor Strange Fate, the JLX, Legends of the Dark Claw, Magneto and the Magnetic Men, Speed Demon, Spider Boy, Super Soldier, and the X Patrol. Damn. So, and then they did, a year later, did 12 more, including Challenges of the Fantastic and some fun stuff. So, it'll never happen again, except in John Burkle and Our Imaginations, but you can go read read that um, that piece if you so choose. And... Go read those books. They, the trades went out of print. They're back again, I do believe. And you can buy them for like a nickel at conventions or in the giveaway boxes because nobody remembers but John and me. So anyway, that all said, my amalgam would be, uh, I just sent some pictures around. It would be Squirrel Girl and Charlie Gage Ratcliffe, Gail Simone's misfit, as the unbeatable misfit. Doreen Charlotte Green Radcliffe is a young heroine who just wants to make the world a nicer place. Not only does she exhibit the most positive attitude toward everything, villains included, she possesses all the powers of both squirrel and girl. Plus, she can teleport, is invisible to sensors, and she even has healing ability. Along with her new teammates in the Fearless Birds of Prey, she's taken down some of the biggest baddies around, like Thanoside and Galactiac. And, and that's just by being nice, of course, with a small slice of dark vengeance for those misfit fans out there. Very nice, Bob. Thank you. Sarah, what do you got? Okay, so essentially, I just want to see my two favorite characters as the same person. I want Zatanna and She-Hulk. Um, she would be smart and funny and smash things and basically unbeatable. Um, she'd never lose a case in court because <laughs> if it wasn't going her way, she could just use magic. And also she'd never gotten, get knocked out before saying her magic words. I would want Gail Simone and or Kelly Sudaconic writing it. I kind of like the idea of both of them on the book because that would just be back crap crazy. Um, and I would want Rachel Stott doing the art because I absolutely love her art. She's just coming on to Shuri. Um, she did, motherlands with Cy Spurrier which was just the most insane miniseries that I absolutely adored but her art is glorious and if anybody doesn't know Rachel Stott please look her up mm-hmm. um but yeah so I basically want a green bulked out Zatanna that can still do magic but is also a lawyer yeah I would wear a tuxedo in court with a top hat exactly and she could either be called Z-Hulk or She-Tanna both work nice. Both work nice. <laughs> yes, I like both. 
and I may also have just come up with my next cosplay idea. Uh, yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> there you go. By the way, on mine, my creative team would be Gail Simone and Erica Henderson. So Nice. I, 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 I do have a second one, if you want to indulge me for a bit. Sure. She would still be Wonder Woman, because it, that's just too good a name. But I, I think we've mashed together Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel. And it would be by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Nicola Scott. Our heroine is Princess Carol of the Amazons, who live apart from humanity as they wish to keep themselves secreted away from not only the injustices of man's world, but to keep the evil Kree from finding their island paradise that they've established after freeing themselves from servitude at their hands. When a renegade Kree soldier named Marvell crashes on the island, he informs the Amazons that humans have been also battling the Kree, and so the queen sends her only daughter, Princess Carol, born from her mother's love and the amazing Psychomagnetron, to take Marvell back to aid in the fight. And of course, he's, I guess, Walter Trevor in the real world, I'm supposing, or maybe he's Steve <laughs> Lawson, I'm not sure which, but um, yeah. Very but, nice. But you could have called her Captain Woman. Yes, I, I tried that. I tried that. Yeah, I, didn't sound I was quite sitting right. over here. I'm like Captain Wonder, Marvel Woman, Wonder, Wonder, yeah, Marvel Woman, Wonder Captain, yeah. Captain, <laughs> Woman. Captain Woman. <laughs> well, you see, the thing is, when I was looking at these, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not going to come up with a serious one. I'm going to come up with a really silly one, and it's going to be a joke." And then everything I put together, I was it like it already existed. So I was like, "Oh, yeah. I've got Batman and Deadpool. It could be Dead Man. No, that's actually a character, right?" Well, if I got Catwoman and no wait, Catman's already a character. Man Bat, no, that's all. I'm like, seriously, comics, stop stealing all of the best ridiculous stupid names. Hulkverine. Hulkverine, they're doing as a real book. Now. Yes. Hulkverine so, yeah. 2020. So yeah, Z Hulk for the win. I'm calling it now. Absolutely. Uh, Marvel, call me. I'll write it for you. Okay, okay. You gotta get there this back go. together again. Hey, look, again, when John Byrne did the did the book Amazon, there was no he he I guess couldn't come up with anything better either. So she's it's it's Storm as Wonder Woman, and she's just called Wonder Woman, and she's Amazon on the front of the book, and it's pretty awesome. But yeah, some things you gotta just go with it. And and Z Tana or uh, I'm sorry, Z Hulk or She Tana, either way, or yeah. both. I like she I like She Tana quite a bit, and Z she Hulk likes you too, Steve. <laughs> Why wouldn't she? <laughs> I'm adorable. You are adorable. And you're going to take me to Disneyland. Do you? <laughs> we'll plan it. I'm serious. I am not kidding around about that. Do you know what time it is? Time to go to bed for Sarah? It is. But it's also time to talk about what books we're picking up on the shelves this week. Are Sarah, we? what are you picking up? Uh, today, I will be picking up... Uh, Avant-Garde's number 5 of 12, Invisible Kingdom number 3, Monstrous 22, which I think is the end of the current arc, um, Unstoppable Wasp number 8, and Wonder Woman number 71. It's quite a quiet week for me, actually. There's only five books there. Mm. How about you, Bob? I am also only at five. Might get to be six, it depends. I have to take a look. But Wonder Woman 71, 
and Unstoppable Wasp number eight are also on my list, as is as Guardians of the Galaxy number nine, where I think we are coming down to the end of that one. Oh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, 43. And Assassin Nation, number three. Did you, wait a minute, did you say, what was the first book you meant? Did you say Unbeatable Squirrel Girl? Unbe- Unstoppable Unstoppable Wasp. Unstoppable, okay, okay. Good God. Okay, so I'm sitting here, and you're both like, oh, five or six books, and I'm looking at my list, and I'm like, ah, my list is a few more, not so bad. And then I moused down, and there was <laughs> punch on the next page. I was just went, oh, shit. <laughs> All right. So this is my new comic book day. Spencer and Lock 2, number two. Avant-Garde's number five. Wonder Woman, number 71. Invisible Kingdom, number three. Assassin Nation, number three. Middle West, number seven. Monstrous, number 22. As Guardians of the Galaxy, number nine. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 43. And then Runaways, number 21. Unstoppable Wasp, whatever number it is. I think it's eight. Venom, number 14. War of the Realms, Journey into Mystery, number three. And War of the Realms, Agents of Atlas, number two. (sighs) Boom. Money, money, money. (laughs) Money! Yeah. (laughs) But can I also point out that my local comic shop have very kindly agreed to let me pick up the three weeks worth of books that I missed when I was on holiday in installments because I couldn't afford to buy them all at once because there were 18 of them. Whoa! Mm. Yes. So that that's why I'm quite pleased that I only have five books this week because I still have a large number of books to pick up. Get cozy with that craft macaroni and cheese. Mm-mm-mm. Oh no, I can do better than that. Twenty-two p Aldi instant noodles. Yes. Yeah. All the carbs. All of them. All the time. Mm. Do it. Mm. Does anybody have any closing statements before we get out of here? Anything they want to share? Well, only because I don't know that it'll actually happen. But May 29th could be Doomsday Clock number 10! Whoa! It's actually in the previews. Wow. Don't say it too loud. I I don't want to jinx it. Maybe if we say it three times in a mirror. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Wait, are you saying that that's supposed to be coming out this week? No, the 29th. Week week from... Ah, right. Yep, 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 yep. But I just want to put it out in the universe that it's a possibility. I, as soon as I get the heads up on what's coming out, I will let you know. Man, the Ryer curse has really evolved, hasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm losing books left and right. Ah, Bob likes the uh, the Watchmen thing we're doing. Cancel it for now. Just tell him it's going to be delayed. <laughs> we'll go bi-monthly. Except bi-monthly becomes tri-monthly, and then we'll, we'll just keep moving it every week for another week. Ah, all right. So there's, your, there's your doomsday clock for this episode. Yes. Solomon is... Grundy, born on a Monday. Yeah, get that in. Coming soon. Yep. We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you could send... Wait a minute. Sarah, did you want to say anything about Ladies of Valhalla? Because I read your thing last week. Did you want to chime in? Yes. Yeah, thank you very much for reading that out. Um, We have put a little 
um, update onto our social media. If you wish to see my stupid, stupid face, you can see it at present on Ladies of Valhalla social media. Um, What we are going to be doing is just popping out a couple of recommendations at the weekend. Um, But in case you missed last week's announcement, we're not putting a show out in May because, frankly, we're all exhausted. Um, But in June, we're going to come back with friend of the pod Kristen Gudsnuck to talk about making friends um so if you've got any questions about making friends or any questions for Kristen please do get in touch with us um at Valhalla ladies ladies of Valhalla at gmail.com um and then we are mapping out the next few months worth of things that we're going to talk about so if there is anything that you would particularly like us to talk about obviously we don't just talk about comics we will also talk about long-form novels we'll talk about tv series we'll talk about movies um so if you've got anything you'd like us to take a look at please do get in touch because we're sort of in the planning stages at the moment but for the time being keep an eye on the social media and you can see what we've been watching reading listening to and enjoying over the last few months cheers for the heads up steve i'm glad you know what i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) i care it's a it's an excellent show and i want people to know that it's coming back and um joey should be back with us next week hopefully jess will be able to join us as well we'll find out and yeah we've got obviously this is episode number 391 we're gearing up for 400 truth be told we're not entirely sure what we're gonna do uh with that show just yet we've kind of done the big gala with a bunch of guests and a bunch of timed segments uh, till we're blue in the face. So we might do things a little bit different this year. I don't know. Either way, uh, we got a couple of guests coming up in the next few weeks, months, whatever. And I think you'll be surprised by who some of them are. We've got some really good names in the pike. Uh, don't want to say too much just yet because everybody is tentative at this time. But I have a feeling that most of them will pull through, if not all. Because why wouldn't you want to be here on the Talking Comics podcast, it's a place to be. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> she gets it. All right, now we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Don't forget to check out talkingcomicbooks.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors, and don't forget to check out. Talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, Bendis Assembled, and the Ladies of Valhalla podcasts. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com on the old emails. And how about you, Sarah? You can find me everywhere that media is social at Geek Country Lady. And I am dead underscore anchoress on Twitter and Instagram. So for Bob. Thanks, Mom. For Sarah. Good night, everybody. I have been Steve Say. Always will be. Be excellent to each other. Rock and roll. And we'll catch you next time on the Talking Comics Podcast. To be continued.
calorie um, intake today was? Uh, calorie calorie intake today was very very small. No. Um, it, no, well, it's it has to be. This is this is the plan. Hold on, let me check. It was oh thirteen hundred legendary. Um, oh, I have no idea what that means. It's not twelve hundred keeps you alive. I can never keep calorie counts in check. I have no concept of that stuff whatsoever. One pint of ale is 350 calories. Right. My two glasses of Chardonnay were like 600. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like a a bacon double cheeseburger is like 650 calories. Okay. That sounds like a bit much. Anyway. 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 Hang in. Hang in. Yes. Talk about only, calorie counts for the rest of the show. <laughs> Give everybody um, an education. 